five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Hey everyone, welcome to Fight Court on Between Rounds Radio. I'm Rob Tatum. With me as always is King Mo Lawal. Mo, how's it going? Man, everything's going good. Just relaxing. Enjoying some downtime for once, finally? Yeah, enjoying some downtime. Then I'm I'm off to Tokyo on uh, Friday. Oh wow. Well, that'll be fun. So, uh, we haven't done this in a couple weeks because you've been busy and I've been busy and there's a whole lot going on, so... We got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, you competed on Quintet Ultra, so I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, since the last time we were uh, on the air here, there was a major boxing bout between Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. Uh, UFC 245 happened last weekend with three title fights. Uh, lots to talk about there. And then uh, this weekend, we've got uh, Glory Collision 2. So a little bit of everything here to talk about this week. So, I mean, the obvious one for me, man... Quintet Ultra, you know, you you got to compete against some crazy grapplers, you know, be part of Team Strike Force. But I got to ask you, man, what went wrong in that uh, that quick fight with their bout, whatever you want to call it, with uh, James Krause? Well, what went wrong was um, when he hit the guillotine. I wasn't scared or anything. I was trying to figure out how many, how will I get this little skinny, lanky guy off my neck without doing anything stupid because I want to go ahead and you know try to pound this guy out and try to impose my will on him. But <clears throat> I was moving. I was trying to shake. And I was just – as I was shaking, I don't know. I guess everyone thought I was tapping. The referee thought I tapped even though I never even touched uh, Kraus. Never touched him. It, it looked like I did from the angles. But then I guess if you, there's other angles where it shows my hands not even touching him. Now, with the quintet rules – they said they want three slow, distinct taps to to show that you submitted. They didn't want anything small. They wanted tap, 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 like pro wrestling taps. So I never, I never came close to. It. Well, it looked like it looked like I touched him, but I didn't touch him. And, I, and you can even ask Crossing. I would admit, if I tapped, I would admit to tapping. Hey, I was getting choked, but I wasn't getting choked. Yeah, and I mean, James Krause is a legit black belt. So even if you did tap, I don't think it anybody would, you know, think anything less of you for that. But I, I do have a question since the quintet rules are a little different or, or, you know, not quite the same as what, like, MMA fans would know. But did the fact that you couldn't slam him to the ground affect your strategy there? I mean, like you said, you were kind of trying to find a way to loosen up or break free. The fact that you couldn't actually, like, slam him to the mat, did that hinder you or did that pop in your head no because the thing is <clears throat> i'm i know the grappling etiquette 
I'm not there to slam a gas smile that means the ground. I was just trying to figure out a way to come off my neck, and I was like, okay, what, what should I do? And I was trying to shake a little bit, trying to either prop him up and then uh, prop him up and go to the ground and then tripod to loosen the chokehold up, or maybe just prop pop him up to um, to loosen up the um, locker on my body so I can get my hands in there and uh, fight the grip. But I never had a chance to do that. Fair enough. Um, did you feel like you redeemed yourself a bit in the finals when you uh, tangled with Rumble? Uh, nah, because with wrestling shoes, that would be a different story. Oh, <laughs> I would have killed them, but it's just a, I felt weird like grappling on a wrestling mat because wrestling mats are soft. And I just felt, I don't know. It, it was good. You know, I had a fun time. You know, Rumble's a big, strong guy. He felt like he was like 240 at least. Yeah. But, uh, He's, I don't know. He's a big dude. I mean, between him and Mark Munoz, I was, yeah, those are some big dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you obviously know Mark really well, you know, you yeah. both are Oklahoma State guys, but yeah, he's, uh, I hope he's enjoying retirement because he looks like he's about my size right now. <laughs> uh, Mark's enjoying, he's a, he's a 260. Yeah, no, he, he, that, that was a, that was an interesting match. So I got a question again about how it played out. You think that if the the order had been different in the finals, that things would have gone differently? Uh, I don't know. I think that really, when it came down to it, I had to leave after my my match because my fight was was leaving at eleven. <clears throat> but I felt like when Babu grappled, uh, when Babu grappled, Clay uh, um, Guida, he should got what's it called? Cheetos a called against him because yep. Clay Guida was doing nothing. And then when I was going against Rumble, Rumble did absolutely nothing. He did nothing, you know, so granted he was tired, you know, so was I, but like, you know, he played it smart, you know, and uh, he opposition, he showed some, he showed some offense here and there, but really smart game plan. No one won. It, was, it just came down to who had the most uh, stalling calls. Now think about this. They hit Jay-Z with the stalling call after he went for a flying arm bar. Yeah, I, I wasn't happy with that one. And I mean... You you guys also had Jake Shields in the in the last round, who had basically competed for three rounds straight in the in the semifinals. So, you know, it's tough having your guy that's probably the most gassed and had to do the most work yeah. in as your last guy. And, yeah. You know, not to take anything against from Gilbert Burns, who's a tremendous grappler, but it certainly didn't help that. That's why I was asking about the order because you know if if Jake had gone first or something like that, you knew he was going to be tired. Like if he can get a a draw. You're happy with that, but you know Babalu going first, fresh, and and Guida kind of stalling him out, kind of put you guys behind the eight ball, if you will. You know, you guys were, even though it ended up even, like you said, it still seemed like that hurt you guys. But those stalling calls should play a factor because name me any type of offense Clay Guida mounted. No, and I mean you can't blame him. Yeah. I mean it's a no, 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 I know, but, no, I know you can't. You no, know, but you can't blame him. But the thing is, that's the rules. The rules were they want action, 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 and how? And then how you gonna call? You know, if that's the case, then you called, you called, you called a stall against Jay Z after attempting a flying armbar. So like, where's the where's the fairness there? Where's the where's the consistency there? So what you're telling me, Mo, is that no matter which combat sport we talk about, we always have issues with the officiating. <laughs> well, the thing is, not the officiating, but the, not just that, but the rules. The rules were kind of. We didn't know the rules the day of because, like, everything was kind of – there's so much going on. You know what I'm saying? They had to organize so much, put, this, put the venue together. 
and a lot of guys, a lot of the athletes that showed up, you know, we showed up at different times. So it was kind of, it was kind of, um, I think the next time they'll do it, it'll be, it'll be even better because it was a, it's a great concept. I love it. Um, I think you'll see better matches, more intriguing matches. They can do, um, they can do like amateur wrestling versus judo. They can do whatever they want to do and have different teams. It's pretty interesting because you'll have super matches. Who is the best team? Who will rank supreme? I like that. I like I like the way it looks and the way it sounds. Honestly, when I, mean, I watched it from the back, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I've caught bits and pieces of grappling competitions here and there, and this one, you know, I made an effort to at least watch the the first half since it started started a little late, but uh, you know, I I enjoyed the majority of it. I mean, I thought the super fights or whatever you want to call them, super matches were a little lopsided, um, but, you know, maybe that's what they wanted to do. Maybe they wanted to showcase Craig Jones and Gordon Ryan and Daniel Kelly. I mean, I thought they, they went out there and did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, I, I'm not sure that matching up, uh, you know, MMA fighters who aren't necessarily great grapplers. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from uh, Alexi Olenek, who's a great grappler, but putting him in there with Gordon Ryan probably isn't uh, a, a, an equal comparison. And, and you know, Craig Jones and, and Fredson Paschow, like that's that's a huge size difference. So I, I hope they maybe spend a little bit more time in their matchmaking, if you will, when it comes to the the non team bouts going forward. Well, I think that yeah, you know, they probably just showcase and they want to just throw people out there because <clears throat> maybe there are a few people, there are people out there that weren't familiar with who uh, Gordon Ryan was. Or who uh, Craig Jones was, or who Daniel Kelly is. You know what I'm saying? They have, they might not be familiar with those names, but you know, Fritz and Paschal, he fought in the UFC. I mean, WC. Yep. You know, Alexi Olenek fought in the UFC and another organization. So, just those names alone might just draw eyes to the to competition, thus putting putting them in touch with a new fan base. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly understand why they did it. I I, I think. As they grow, I hope that they they don't waste those really really talented grapplers on on. I agree. I, it's like I don't want to call them squash squash matches because that's not really respectful to the people they were they were facing. But you know, I, I want to watch those guys compete against the, the upper echelon. I mean, they, they are some of the best grapplers on the planet. Let's prove it. Not just have them go out there and take somebody out in twenty seconds or whatever. A couple of those matches ended in. Um, yeah. Final question about this topic, Mo. Uh, you know, if, if you're given the opportunity to do it again, is, is it something you'd want to do? Yeah, I'll do it again. It was fun. Uh, um, I, you know, anytime you, you can compete and enjoy yourself and not get injured, yeah, why not do it? You okay. have to be smart, though. You, you just brought up another question that I, for, I almost forgot about. Since before we move on, uh, what happened with Cub Swanson? I mean, uh, just unfortunate. I mean, do, do, you, do you think that was. Just uh, a risk you take in competing in this kind of competition, or do you think that that was just a a really uh, you know bad luck type thing? I mean, it looked like to me that when Shields put that reap on, it looked like Cub may have rolled the wrong direction. I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a black belt. I'm not going to even claim to like be an expert. No, on No, you're everybody. right. No, you're right. That's what happened. And uh, you know, it's, it's just he uh, he says LCL popped. I think, he's, I think he's okay. Just uh, oh no, he he posted on Instagram that he's got a full ACL tear and a meniscus tear. Of <gasps> that? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it looked bad when it happened, but you hoped it was just you know something popping or shifting. But 
No, his Instagram said that he's got a full ACL tear and a meniscus tear. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's that's just that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <sighs> I feel for him because, you know, I mean, the dude's had a lot of a long MMA career, and that's not an easy re- – I mean, you know as well as anybody. That's yeah. not a easy recovery. But, and that was the only in- injury pretty much during the whole event. Yeah, he posted four days ago. Had a great time at the event. Unfortunately, I suffered a complete ACL and meniscus tear from this reap. So, yeah, that's that's a bummer for sure. I mean, I but anytime you compete, right? Like, no matter what, just because you're not getting punched in the face doesn't mean there's not risks with it. There's always risk. Yep. Yep. All right, folks, we're going to take a short break. Uh, you're listening to Fight Court on Between Rounds Radio. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Welcome back to Fight Court on Between Rounds Radio. So, Mo, you know, there's some other events that happened since the last time we were on here, uh, a couple that you didn't uh, compete in. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about those. Uh, I'm, I know you watch this because you're a big boxing fan, but Anthony Joshua pretty much uh, dominated Andy Ruiz over the course of 12 rounds. Uh, in my mind, Joshua fought the fight he should have fought the first time they fought. But, uh, you know, Joshua's not always been I mean he's got good technique he's an Olympic boxer all that sort of stuff but he he didn't really you know utilize his his height and his reach and his jab very well in their first fight which is why he got stopped basically and I think in the second fight he fought really smart he fought really technical but the thing I really want to talk about is that a lot of people were critical of his performance and you know to me there's a big difference between boxing and brawling and I think that sometimes fight fans fail to recognize that thing. Um, you know, to me, watching someone dominate someone, even it may not be the most exciting fight. You know, there's not all kinds of, you know, action on the inside. There's not people getting rocked, getting knocked down. But I still think there's a beauty to watching someone technically put on a master show like that for 12 rounds. Mo, what do you think of the fight? What do you think about the fans reaction? That sort of stuff. I thought it was a great fight. A great game plan. I was worried about Andrew Ruiz because um, um, when I saw him, I know Michael Hunter. Michael Hunter is my little brother. You know, um, I've known him since 2005. You know, uh, we sparred together. And I know Michael Hunter was in camp with Andrew Ruiz, doing sparring with him, doing getting his rounds in with him. And when I saw Michael Hunter a little heavier, 
and looking and looking kind of sluggish, kind of kind of winded. I was worried because then I realized Andrew Ruiz was 18 pounds heavier than the first fight, and Andrew Ruiz tried to say that it was a ploy to be coming a little heavier, but then everyone else knew what it was up. But at the same time, we didn't know how Josh would be being lighter like he was. And uh, when the fight started, at a minute in, two minutes into it, actually a minute, that's not even that. Forty-five seconds into it, I knew this fight was over. Yeah, it was. It was clear that Ruiz thought that he could rely on his power as opposed to technique, and it it was bad from his perspective. Regardless of the weight thing, he was in it. He could not get inside the pocket. He could not cut off the ring. He never really mounted hardly any offense at all in that fight, and. You know, after the first fight where he had so much success on the inside and was able to hurt Joshua a couple times, it was frustrating that he didn't put in the effort in that regard because I don't know how many rematches there have been, especially at that level. Why would you expect the same fight twice? You know what I mean? Like, we've talked about rematches at length on here, but the the second fight is not usually the same fight. I mean it's almost never the same kind of fight. And for him to come in there without being in tip top shape and ready to go and, you know, try to defend those belts, that was the biggest opportunity of his life. And he's probably not going to get another one like that. Uh, You know what? It's crazy because I remember watching Andy Ruiz fight in 2012 versus Elijah McCall in Las Vegas. Um, he came in weighing about 250-something. And I thought, who is this guy? He looks sloppy. Oh, my my gosh. He's terrible. He looks terrible. But he amazed me with his hand speed. But I think that he became lackadaisical, and he lost his hunger once he beat Joshua and figured that, hey, I made it already, you know. And yeah. I think I think, I think think once once this fight happened, he realized he has got pointed. He, he, should, he thought, Look, you know what? If I would have came in shape, I possibly could have knocked him out again. But if he came in shape, it's a big if. Yeah, I was going to say, careful with your words there. I don't think he lost his hunger. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going to apologize to our listeners for that one. Don't worry. I am I am fat, therefore I can make fat jokes. I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> 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 no, I mean, for me, though, the, the, good, the good thing that came out of this fight, though, is that you saw Joshua show that he actually does want to be the best in the world. He came out really technical and showed some things that he hadn't showed, at least not consistently in the past, maybe maybe in his amateur career, but not since he turned pro. And it makes me want a fight with Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury even more mm-hmm. because I feel like he's, he's back there at, at the upper echelon. I mean, we're going to get that Wilder-Fury fight first, but regardless who uh, who wins that fight, I, I'm all... I'm all in on seeing Anthony Joshua fight either one of those guys. I actually saw today that Joshua offered to uh, be in camp with Tyson Fury for the Wilder fight. Nice. Because he thinks that if Fury wins, Fury's more likely to actually, you know, want to fight him for the belts and maybe do it on his terms, you know, somewhere in London, Wembley Stadium, something like that. Whereas Wilder, you know, they've had a hard time making that fight. Uh, or at least, you know, they've talked about it a couple times and never came to an agreement. So, you know, I, I'm I'm excited in that regard. 
Yeah, you know what? Um, that'll be interesting to see what happens if those two spar, or if they two if they do spar. Now, with that being said, if Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua were to fight in, in England, that would be probably one of the biggest boxing events like in a long like I don't know in my lifetime. Yeah, it's it's up there. I mean, it's it's Holyfield Tyson. You know, yeah. there, there's definitely some some. It'd be one of those iconic moments where you know. Yes, yeah, up there with Holyfield Tyson. Anything with Mike Tyson, like you know Tyson Holyfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, May- Mayweather Ray Pacquiao could have could have been there. Yeah. If it happened maybe two years earlier, three years earlier, but yeah, you know, it still did huge numbers. I mean, let's not pretend like it was, you know, a meaningless fight. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mayweather Mayweather Pacquiao is the biggest probably in my lifetime. But I mean, as far as like the significance of oh, yeah. two undefeated heavyweights. Yeah, you, I mean, not undefeated, but two not not but two highly talented heavyweights like Joshua Fury. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun. I yeah. Let's uh, let's not curse it and jinx it and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> let's 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 hope that it happens. So uh, there was also another really big fight that happened uh, over the last week. Uh, UFC 245 out in Vegas. Three title fights on the line. You know, on that card. Uh, you know, let's talk about the main event for a minute here. Uh, you know, you and I talked at length about Usman and Covington going into this fight, and you know. I have to admit, I was a little surprised on the fact that it never once left the feet. They basically traded hooks and jabs for basically the better part of 25 minutes. And I was surprised that no point, you know, especially because they definitely rocked each other a couple times here and there. Nobody shot, nobody clinched, nobody even tried to take this fight to the ground. And, you know, if, if you had told me that Usman would win the fight with it never hitting the ground, I would have been surprised. What do you think, Mo? Did, did, this, did the outcome surprise you? Did the flow of the fight surprise you? I, I, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, everything surprised me, surprised me about the fight. The fact that there's no wrestling, um, the fact that it's all striking. Uh, that I don't know. It's just weird. You know, it's just a weird. It's a weird. I, I'm gonna be real with you. Um, as a whole, that car was just too long. Oh, and uh, <laughs> like. I I don't know. I just it, that fight was a good fight, but I watched it in the haze as well as. Cause what's the main of New Year's fight? Like that fight was like a roller coaster ride. Then once the volcans, I can't say it. Volkan Vinovsky or whatever. I can't. <laughs> Volkanovsky. Well, Volkanovsky, um, Holloway fight happened. That fight was so kind of one sided in, in a sense. Wasn't close. That took all the the steam. Out of the main, like you know, out of the whole card, in my in my in my in my my opinion, I'm gonna be honest with you. Even like during fight week, I was there. The, it seemed like the hype behind the fight wasn't there. You look at you look at the venue, it, like the ticket sales. Like I hope they were good, but like mo- if you watch the um, prelims and, and the undercard, the seats were very empty. Yeah, and I mean that's typical for a Vegas crowd, at least in my experience. I mean the the, the fight started at three o'clock their time, so it's pretty typical for at least the prelims not, well, to be not 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 like that though. Even even on FX, like not FX, even on when like, was it ESPN? Like yeah, ESPN, yeah, yeah. yeah, ESPN. It looked kind of I, I don't know. It just seemed you just maybe maybe they, I don't know. Maybe they, they should hit during like the beginning of the year. Yeah, because it, it just seemed like all the like everyone's kind of like okay, 
Ah, we're, we're tired. You should hit that fresh in January. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's two things here. One is that I feel like the UFC kind of mailed this card in a little bit. I think they were like, oh, we put three title fights on it. People care, which I don't think is true. I mean, we've talked about how to market fights and that sort of stuff on the show plenty, but I feel like they mailed it in a lot on this fight card because the, the, the hype was not there. I, I've got... You know, coworkers at my day job that are what I would consider casual fans, you know, they come up to me and talk to me about, you know, main events or crazy highlights they see on, on ESPN or whatever. They, they don't talk to me about prelim cards and whatnot, but they weren't even talking to me about this card at all, which is not typical for an end-of-year card. I mean, end-of-year card usually has something like, you know, Overeem versus Lesnar or, you know, on that same card, I think Diaz fought Cerrone. You know, those, those are the kind of fights that typically get people amped up and whatnot it it just wasn't there on this one and I I, but your other point is even more valid in my mind is the fact that it just felt like the longest card ever and I mean it's tough for me to sit here from a, a MMA media standpoint if you will and bitch about it because I choose to do it but at the same time that main card lasted four hours and and I don't care if you paid 60 whatever the hell dollars it is now for a card or not that's too long. I mean, the the card was good, but it was way too long. I mean, if you watched from the first prelim until the end of that Covington-Usman fight, you had been sitting in the same spot for over seven hours, and you did not get seven hours worth of action. Even though almost everything on the main card went to decision or, or to the last round, they had three or four fights in the span of three hours. That's on a pay-per-view card where there weren't commercials and booths, you know, to throw it back to and all that stuff. It was just dragging. I mean, I'm with you. The, the Nunez and, and Duranami fight, back and forth action, fairly entertaining, at least from a perspective of watching someone grow. The Volkanovski-Holloway fight was, yeah, pretty one-sided. The Max needs to learn how to check a kick. And, you know, the main event... It was a really good fight, but I do think that people probably put a little bit too much into it because it was basically a, you know two guys throwing haymakers at each other, and, and they could have made that so much more. I, I, I definitely don't think but, it was a fight card of the year. <laughs> and the, well, the thing is, like you know, the main event was good is because there's so, so much personal, there's per, most personal stuff, and there's so much social stuff involved um, that Kobe. Um, kind of made it bigger than what it what it should have been with his actions, yeah, and with his with his words and getting certain people involved politically. That's when it got bad. And that's when it kind of, things kind of got overboard. And that's when you started seeing a certain group of people get involved that know nothing about MMA, and they're just trolls. They're there to just be negative and just say a bunch of racist stuff. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, you know, um, so we got the results. You know, Kobe lost, Kamaru won. All right. Great job by Kamaru. Great job by Kobe for going out there and playing on the line. Kamaru did his thing. Way to represent. Kobe did your thing. Way to represent. Now, let's celebrate all this other stuff. Let's move forward. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, one thing I do want to talk about in that fight, though, Mo, because I know I commented on it, and I'm curious, even if you were in a haze, you probably have an opinion on this, but the stoppage. I thought it was early. I, I, I know he got dropped a couple times, but I didn't feel he was out. 
I felt like he was defending. I mean, even a couple of those hammer fists may have been to the back of the head. What do you think of that stoppage? I mean, I, I, I respect Mark, Mark Goddard, but I was not a fan of that stoppage. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> they called it. You know, if Kobe would never got dropped, then maybe he never got in that situation. But at the same time, I think they kept it going. Kobe didn't look like he was in any, in any true danger. He didn't look dazed. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe Mark Goddard. Um, Mark, Mark Goddard um, knew about Kobe's jaw. Yeah, that's another and point. It's like you know what? You know what? I'm worried about his jaw. I don't want him taking any extra damage. Stop. You know. But at the same time, I don't know. <sighs> You know, yeah. I mean, in a, in a title fight that's in the last minute, I was a little frustrated. It, it, you know, if that had been in the first minute of the fight, people would have been pissed. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, like, it's one of those things where your point about the jaw is valid, though. Like, if if Goddard was aware of it or overheard, you know, Colby tell his corner that his his jaw was broken, that's a pretty fair point that I hadn't even considered to this point, but. I don't know. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of back and forth in the in the media and fans and whatnot on how that fight was being scored. I'm curious, Mo, how, how did you have it scored going into that fifth round? I'm going to be real with you. Um, the fight was really awkward because Usman was landing, landing, landing good shots, but I feel like Kobe was hurting him more and stunning him more. So I can see how it was 2-2. I can see how people had Usman th- up three one. I can see how people had Kobe up three yeah. one. I was I was uh, I was all over the place. I was like, uh, it's probably two two. Yeah, but I mean, I just thought it just I just I ain't like you know when Kobe. There's sometimes Kobe landed shots and you could tell that Usman was stunned, you know, or buzzed, or you know, not really not necessarily hurt, hurt, but it's just like he's like, oh, okay, this guy can punch, but punch harder than I thought. Yeah, I I was I know I was in the minority, but I had it three one for Covington. I. Other than that third round when Kamaro broke his jaw, I thought Covington landed more frequently and cleaner shots. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's a moot point at this at this juncture because, honestly, if it had gone the distance, I think that last round would have been a 10-8 round for Usman, which yep. even if you had Colby up 3-1, it makes it a draw. And at that point, Kamaro keeps the belt anyway. But... You know, is what it is. I thought it was a, I thought it was a solid fight, but your your point was just that it's too damn long, man. By that point, everybody was kind of like glazed over and and just ready for it to be over, which is unfortunate for the amount of talent that was on that main card. A uh, couple things I do want to talk about on that main card, real quick though. Uh, Max Holloway. It, it, for me, that fight was really frustrating in that if he had checked some leg kicks early on. He probably, you know, makes that fight a lot more competitive than it was. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he might have got hit with more, with more punches. Yeah, you never know. I, I think the other thing that I took away from that fight that kind of frustrated me a bit, and, and I'll, I'll admit on air here that I am a Jose Aldo mark, and I probably always will be dating back to the WC days, but if Jose Aldo uses the same strategy that Volkanovski used against Holloway, I don't know that Holloway beats him. Like... And, and we can, you know, since Jose Aldo was on that main card as well, where are the leg kicks? You know what I mean? Like, the guy made his name in this sport and dominating people like Uriah Faber and and Mike Brown on his leg kicks. 
And I think he threw like two in that entire Marais. Fight. Well, don't forget, Marais a little quicker now. He's doing a little faster population. Don't forget, Marais also hurt him first round. I thought Marais won the first and third. The third round, yeah, Josie Aldo brought a lot of pressure. But he threw, he threw nothing. He threw a few jabs here, a few body shots, but he was getting outlanded. He was getting outstruck. He was he'd come forward, land a few shots, back up, come forward, throw a jab, throw, try to throw a body shot, get hit. Back up, get kicked, back up, come forward, and get hit some more. The third round was like, yeah, Jose Aldo was coming forward and took the center, but he was getting hit a lot. That third round is one of the closer and tougher rounds to judge you'll see in in the sport. I mean, if you've ever heard one of the ABC, you know, uh, officials that does the training, you know, like a Rob Hines or uh, John McCarthy or, or one of those guys that does those training classes, that third round is the perfect type of round you would give people taking judging and officiating yep. because there's so much to see and talk about and help you understand how to properly judge around because I'm with you. I can see the argument from Marais. I think that he sat back, he countered well, he, he actually, I think landed some cleaner strikes. My, the reason I gave it to Jose Aldo was not the forward pressure so much as when he did land, I felt like he landed harder, which is hard to describe when you're talking about subjective judging or whatnot. But for for me, it seemed like the the strikes that Aldo landed had more impact. You know, they were more forceful. But I, I really I can't call it a robbery either way. I mean, just because I call just because I scored it for Aldo, I'm I wasn't really surprised or necessarily upset about the result. You know, I, I hope that Dana White doesn't go so far as to give Aldo the next title shot against Henry Cejudo like he mentioned he might. I think that kind of minimizes a lot of things about this sport. I mean, if we're going to start doing that, we may as well just stop judging fights and let the promoter pick whatever the hell they want. I mean, we, we already do. Yeah, I was like, we're kind of going, we're already there for the most part anyway. But at that point, like, what the hell's the point of even having number one contender fights or that sort of stuff? If you're just going to handpick the opponents, then who cares? Oh, and back to Aldo fight though in the third round. Sure. Yes, he did land harder shots, but what he land one hard shot and then get hit with like six or, or get thrown get, get not hit six, but he said about six good solid, solid shots get thrown at him. Maybe two of them or two or three of them graze and land, and then he get hit with something solid. Like he he kind of gets the thing is he got outworked and he got he fell in love with trying to land that big power shot. So and, and MMA is about volume, not about quality of punches sometimes. Yeah. It, close fight. Either way. I, I enjoyed yeah. the fight. It was a good technical fight. I, I Honestly, like, I would have liked to have seen that be a five-round fight. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think, was, yeah. you know, run that one back in Rio as a main event or something like that. You know, two Brazilian guys who respect each other that clearly are competitive against one another. You know, if Cejudo's not going to defend anytime soon or if he's going to – you know, I would still like to see Benavidez and Cejudo in the flyweight division. So let that happen and let Aldo and Marais rematch, you know, in Rio, five-round fight. I bet Aldo doesn't get clipped with that head kick right off the bat in a rematch. And, you know, over five rounds, maybe Aldo does better. I don't know. I, I was happy to see that his weight cut didn't kill him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for all the but hype there was the about time, it. But at the, the same time, here's the thing, right? Now, Joanna... At 115, yes, she's good. At 116, yeah, she's straight. 115 is different than 116. Sure. That, that then, extra pound, when you're when you're that light, it does make a big difference. 
It's it's a percentage of your your weight, basically. You know. Cool. A quick question: What weight class is Peter Yan at? Or P- I can't. He's Jan. Not, yeah, yeah, one thirty-five as well. So okay, so I mean, that division's yeah. got Peter Yan. You got uh, Aljamain Sterling. Then who's the number one contender at that weight class? Right, that's the thing. Like, Cejudo wants to fight Aldo, but it's probably because he sees it either as an easier fight stylistically, or it's because he's a name. You know, I I get it. Like, there's other than the hardcore fans, there's probably not people out there asking for Peter Yan to fight Henry Cejudo. But after you know, I mean, every fight he's had in the UFC has been ridiculous. I mean, he beat the hell out of Uriah Faber. Yeah. So I. I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly would watch any of those fights at this point. I, I think that Jan, Sterling, even Aldo, regardless of that, I, I still think he'd be a good fight against Cejudo. But I hate to see someone coming off of two losses get a title shot. That just doesn't seem right to me, whether you agree with the decision or not. You know, I, I would rather see Cejudo go fight Benavidez, who I absolutely think is deserving of a title shot. He's already beat Cejudo once. Go go do that fight in the flyweight division have Aldo fight somebody else that's one of the contenders and and show that he actually deserves it if that's the fight that they want so bad at 135. I agree. So last thing I want to talk about before we take our last break here, uh, Irina Aldana, her her knockout of Ketlin Vieira. I have to say that was probably the most beautiful strike of the entire night. I, I don't know if you caught the prelims or not, but mm-hmm. that left so seen, yeah. that left hook, man. I mean. That was a thing of beauty. And let's not... I mean, Ketlin Vieira was undefeated, being talked about as a potential contender. I mean, I don't know what's next for Amanda Nunez. I mean, she she showed she's still got a wrestling and ground game against Jermaine Durandamy. But, you know, I think Irene Aldana and Amanda Nunez is a, is gonna, is a fun fight. I, I mean... Yeah, but, but the thing is, Irene is still ranked like ninth. She's like, you know, get her... Get married another win first number three or foursome. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's gonna be weird to see what happens with that division. I mean, they're doing that Holly Holm Raquel Pennington rematch. Uh, there, there's nothing that jumps out at me right now. I, Amanda's in a weird spot because she's been so dominant at this point. I, you know, other than Aldana, there's not a name in that division right now that I'm even remotely interested. And the thing is, is Aldana's probably gonna end up the way that Jermaine did, where. Amanda's going to get hit a couple times, realize she doesn't need to play that game with her, and then take her down and dominate her on the mat. I mean, mm-hmm. Aldana's experienced, but she's not she's not on Amanda's level on the ground. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, to me, I was just refreshed to see someone that was a little bit of a surprise. I wasn't sure if she would ever get to that point where she was being talked about as a contender. You know, having watched her through coming up through Invicta and, her, and you know, her UFC run... I wasn't sure if she was ever going to be able to put it together consistently. In her last few fights, it's it's clear to me that she's close. You know, if she's yeah. not next, she should be soon. All right, folks, uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, you're listening to Fight Court on Between Rounds Radio.
All right, welcome back to Fight Court on Between Rounds Radio. Mo, last things I want to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, there are fights this weekend, even though we're we're getting up on the holidays here. Uh, you know, UFC's got a card in South Korea. We've got uh, Frankie Edgar taking on the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung, which I think is still a great fight. I mean, Edgar was supposed to be heading down to Bantamweight, but he's, he's kind of jumping in on short notice to take a featherweight bout. Um, and then, for me, the, the jewel of this weekend, if you will, uh, Glory Collision 2 taking place in the, in the Netherlands on Saturday. Uh, Rico Verhoeven versus Badr Hari with the uh, heavyweight belt on the line. Uh, you know, the first fight, uh, Rico hurt Badr Hari in the, in the early going, uh, injured his arm. Kind of a long-awaited rematch at this point. Lots of trash talk, lots of stuff going on. Uh, but honestly, two of the best heavyweights ever to step into the ring, you know, maybe not on the level of a, a semi shell or a Peter Ertz or, you know, Ernesto Hoost, but in terms of like the modern heavyweights, there's not a better matchup that they can put together right now. Uh, you know, Mo, are, are you going to be watching on Saturday? Are you excited for this one? Yeah, but I'm more excited for another fight. I, I, I bet I know which one it is. The, the, so, you know, if if you guys are, are you know casual fans of kickboxing, I would implore you on Saturday to watch this card. It's since it's in the Netherlands, it's happening during the day. You know, if you've got a Fight Pass subscription, you get to watch this thing. Main card is excellent. Uh, you know, we talked about the the heavyweight main event for the belt. Co-main event features Luis Tavares against Stefan Sapergi. Uh, Luis Tavares is another tremendous, tremendous top ten ranked kickboxer in the light heavyweight division. But I know the fight that Mo wants to talk about. <laughs> Muhammad Jiraiya versus yeah. Masaru Glunder. Uh, yes. <laughs> if, if you've never watched either one of these guys fight, I implore you to go onto YouTube as soon as you're done listening to this and, and go check this out. So Jiraiya's nickname is The Destroyer. Uh, you know, he fought at uh, welterweight for a while. He, he's now down at, at lightweight. Uh, dude fights with reckless abandon, always comes forward, just knocks people out left and right. And then Masaru Glunder was fighting a featherweight for a really long time. He's 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 up at you know up a weight class here in lightweight, and I think he's looked a lot better since he made that move. He's not cutting as much weight. Uh, Glunder is ridiculously fast. Great combinations. <laughs> I mean, you know him well, Mo. I mean that that fight. I I, I can't wait for that one. Well, you know, Muhammad Jiraiya, <clears throat> I remember I remember when he came down to American Top Team and uh, he was fighting with Dustin Poirier years ago. And that was a battle. And I was like, man, I'm going to call you Baby Botter. And he's like, thanks. Because, like, you know, he's a tough Moroccan. But uh, Masaro, I've known Masaro for a long time. As a matter of fact, I'm a big fan of Masaro's dad, uh, 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 Rodney Glunder. He's like the original. He's like the Dutch um, Surinamese Kimbo Slice. This guy will fight anybody anywhere. He's like a, just, a, just a fighter. And uh, Masara grew up underneath him, you know, in the fight culture, in the fight world, in in Holland, kickboxing, MMA. So um, I'm hoping once once uh, um, Masara is done with the uh, kickboxing, he'll come to Florida and come train with the American Top Team and become an MMA fighter. Super talented, super athletic. I mean, I, I'm with you. Like I, I've never seen a boring fight of his. He's th- this to me has fight of the night written on it. Like, you know, everybody's talking about Rico and Botter because they're the big names and they, there's bad blood and whatnot. But in terms of action, th- this one's definitely at the top of my list. 
There's one more main card fight on that um, on the main card between uh, Zachariah Zagari and Asap Tenpao that also has the potential to just be crazy, you know, back and forth action, uh, you know, featherweights, fast guys. Ten Pao has looked great. You know, he's one of the the probably best American prospects in glory right now. Uh, hasn't lost yet in glory, flashy kicks and stuff. It, this main card is, is absolutely tremendous. And it's not just the main card. I mean, if you dive a little deeper, you know, you got Alex Pereira, who's the middleweight and interim lightweight champion. He's in a non-title bout on the um, Glory 74 card. That same card has Sergei Adamchuk, who's a former featherweight champ. Michael Dute is fighting Ariel Machado. I've probably said it on here before. I know I've said it online a million times, but you always need to watch when Michael Dute is in the ring. When I said Glunder's <laughs> never been in a boring fight, Michael Dute doesn't even know what the word <laughs> bo- He doesn't know the word boring. He, he literally doesn't. The dude comes forward reckless, crazy haymakers. I mean, to this day, his fight with Daniel Alunga is probably yeah. my favorite maybe my favorite glory fight of all time. I think there were five knockdowns over four rounds. Cause it went to an extension round. It's, <laughs> it is literally the craziest fight you will ever watch. So by all means, you know, I mean, since we're in the U S here, at least, you know, Mo and I, and most of our listeners probably, you know, th- this is basically a daytime card, uh, you know, action, the, the prelims kick off at 11 AM Eastern, uh, main card kicks off at, uh, I think it's 3 PM Eastern. It, th- there's, crazy people on the prelims too. I mean, the, or I guess it's a super fight series since they're, they're shaking this one up a little bit with the main card, but you know, Jafar Wilness is on that. Uh, you know, Donovan, we say th- these are guys that are, you know, contenders and, and they're kicking off the action. Becca Irwin, another great American prospect. Uh, you know, she's undefeated in the glory ring so far. There's nonstop action. If, if you don't have plans on Saturday, this is what I suggest you do. You know, forget staying up till three o'clock in the morning for, Frankie Edgar and and Chan Sung Jung, wake up early, plan your day around this, and then you know, <laughs> spend your Saturday night doing whatever you want. But it'll be worth it. Um, Mo, since I touched on that fight that's happening in South Korea, what do you think about Frankie Frankie Edgar and uh, the Korean Zombie? Um, I'm, man, the fact that was Frankie Edgar cutting down to one thirty five, or was he dieting down? Or I, I, I know he's gonna be in shape. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's an intriguing fight. Um, it's going to be interesting to me to see how Frankie approaches that fight because Chan Sung Jung's biggest issue, at least traditionally, has been his defense. He, he's, he's hittable. And, you know, with Edgar's speed and movement, being the smaller guy, is that going to be too much for him? Or, I mean, does Frankie go back to his wrestling game? It, I don't know. I it's intriguing to me. It's unfortunate that that fight is taking place in the middle of the night, but you know, things happen. Brian Ortega got hurt. I guess there's not a whole lot that they could do. You know, I, I still think that Edgar probably does belong at 135 as well, but he's probably disgruntled at the moment too. Cause he was probably trying to get away from having to fight Jose Aldo again. And now he's right back going to a division where a guy he couldn't beat the first two times is going to be. All right, Mo. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff tonight. You got anything else to add? Nah, man. Uh, actually, a good week. Good weekend. Like actually, a good past few weeks of combat news. I guess or combat issues. Yeah, combat topics. A lot going on, and I mean, even though we got the holidays coming up, there's still plenty to talk about. I mean, 
Uh, I'm sure you and I will be back this week to talk about what happens this weekend. And then, you know, like you said, you, you're heading off to uh, Japan. When are you leaving for Japan? You said sometime soon, right? Yeah, Friday. Friday, Saturday. So, sounds like we may not be talking next week, but that means that there's a Ryzen event coming up and, and, and a Bellator versus Ryzen card. There's there's a lot going on. If, if you guys are out for the holidays, you are not going to be bored, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot, a lot going on, a lot going on. All right, folks, that's it for this week. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Hit us up on the Between Rounds Radio Discord. Reach out on Twitter, at Between Rounds underscore, at KingMoFH, or at RobTatum303. Thanks for listening. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com.